Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 279. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Uh, Treg Wilson is unable to join us uh, in this episode as the internet at his home is still spotty at best. Um, for those who don't know, Hurricane Fiona just ripped through the Atlantic provinces of Canada, which includes Halifax, where myself and Treg reside. Um, we've been, we went without power for quite some time. Uh, we in Halifax were quite lucky that we only sustained minor damage and only lost some trees and maybe little pieces of siding and shingles, minor stuff. Unfortunately, our friends in Cape Breton, PEI, and Newfoundland suffered a much worse fate. There's entire towns that have been washed out to sea. There's uh, there's devastation throughout Cape Breton and PEI. There's there's people still without power all throughout no, all three all three of this of these provinces. So uh, if anyone's looking to uh, provide any uh, support or if they can donate, uh, there's the United Way Fund in Cape Breton that that would be glad to help out. Uh, Red Cross. Uh, Salvation Army, all of these are really, really good uh, charities, and they're all on the ground throughout the Atlantic provinces helping out in the recovery for Hurricane Fiona. Uh, just to touch on the Red Cross, uh, the Canadian government is um, going to match any donations that are made. Um, so if I was you, that was the one that I would make the uh, the make the donation to. Um, for me personally, uh, growing up in the East Coast, uh, this is something you don't really see that often. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all the people that reached out to me personally. Uh, even though I'm in Ontario now, and I've, I've lived in Ontario now since 2007, uh, my entire family still on the East Coast. Uh, lots of friends there, like you, obviously, uh, you and Traeger there. Um, thanks for everyone that reached out and asked about my family and asked about uh, my friends. Um, news for me, um, everybody's okay, no damage, no nothing. So um but again thanks for everyone that reached out and, and asked those questions yeah and uh everything with treg and his family they're they're safe they're uh their their house is in good shape it's just 
they've got power. It's just the internet out there is really bad. We lost cell service here for quite some time as well after the storm. So things are, they're slow to come back for some areas. Uh, he lives on the other side of the city than I do. Uh, I was lucky. They got our stuff back, our power back and the cell service back around Sunday night. We lost it again Monday morning um, as we record. It's Monday, the 26th of September. And I got power back just in time to watch the uh, Canadians preseason game. Good timing. <laughs> uh, now, we'll move on from that bad news to a little bit of good news. Uh, friend, uh, A friend of ours on uh, Twitter, Ian Boivire, he got married over the weekend. So congratulations to Ian and to his wife. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck. And uh, it, it's nice to ease into hockey with a little bit of good news. Absolutely. Um, now we're going to move on to the show. We're going to cover a few things. There's uh, there's some news and notes around retirements, uh, some injury updates. Um, and then we're going to talk about the, the camp and uh, the preseason game thus far, that we've seen thus far. So we'll start with uh, Zidane Chera and P.K. Subban both retiring on the same day. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a surprise, especially in terms of Subban. I, I, I kind of saw it coming with Chara, especially this late into uh, the offseason. He hasn't signed with anybody yet. Um, I was kind of thinking maybe a Boston reunion was going to happen, maybe for one more year. Um but they've chosen to go more with a with a youth movement, and they, and they've they've signed some, uh, you know, they've signed they've thrown out some pretty big money on their blue line the last little while, so not really surprising at the same time. Um, this is a guy that's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's uh, there's you know there's not really anything um, that says otherwise. Like the guy's played sixteen hundred and eighty NHL games. Um, you know, the the guy's been feared his whole career. Um, you know, Stanley Cup champion, etc. Like the guy, like as much as you want to hate the guy for being a Bruin, and you know, obviously uh, the injury to Pacioretty and everything like that, you got to respect what he did on the ice and uh, what kind of player that he was. So I wish him all the best in retirement, and uh, we'll see him in the Hall of Fame soon. Yes, uh, I I echo all of that. Um, as for Subin, uh, I I fully expected him to play another season. I mean, he's he yeah he had a bad year for him last yes. year with New Jersey, but he was still uh, you know capable of playing a third pairing role, play on the power play, could have been a you know a good veteran addition to a team that needed some depth on defense. Yeah. And you got to remember, he's, but I guess, 30, he's only 33 years old. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, with all the injuries through the years, uh, his style of play really reliant on his foot speed. I guess he felt that he just couldn't do what he wanted to do or he didn't get the offers he wanted. Um, and he, he chose to retire. You got to think he's, still, but, he's, com- he's coming off that huge deal too, right? Coming off yeah. a, coming off a deal, you're making yeah. 9 million bucks and then maybe teams are, were offering you a mil or less speculating. Of course, that could be a, a, a shot to the, a shot to the ego, right? It could be a shot to his confidence at the yeah. same time. Right. And maybe the deals weren't there or maybe they came from teams that he thought maybe that 
at this stage of his career that he'd want to go to more or less a contending team. And maybe those offers didn't come from the contenders and they came from some of these teams that are on the outside looking in. And I know that there's a lot yeah. of people that wanted to see him go to Montreal. Um, that didn't happen. And, um, you know, we, we, we kind of say goodbye to um, a guy that's got, um, you know, he's kind of, he, he, he's more or less nowadays known more for his off ice self than his on ice. And, it kind of is what it is. It was, it was a surprise. That's for damn sure. And we'll see what, what, where this is going to take him. I can see him ending up on a, on a broadcasting table at some point. I'm pretty sure he's going to be covering the NHL this season. Yeah. Uh, I can see, I can see ESPN. Yeah. Or... I can see him moving to ESPN, doing something maybe yeah. with uh, Paul Bissonnette and, and that, in that crew. Uh, he, you know, he's really well suited for that. He's very, He's very energetic. He's outgoing. He he's charismatic. I think he'd make an excellent analyst. He really knows the game. Um, you know, you you could say what you want about the guy. You know that you don't like his style of player. You didn't like him as a as a player, but yeah. he knows what he's talking about, and he can be very entertaining. So yeah. I can see him. We'll be watching him for years on TV. I can see him continuing just to be that ambassador of the game and uh, continuing everything with all his charity work in Montreal yeah. and, and, and that kind of stuff. And that's, and that's great on him. Uh, a lot of players would not do that in, you know, they would not throw their money into charity like that. And um, it's big on him that he did so. And he still has such a connection with the, with the Montreal community. Um, in terms of, you know, is the guy a hall of famer? Is he this, is he this? I'd say no. Um, no, no, I don't some, think he's done enough to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, some people were saying that Montreal should retire his jersey. Again, I would say no. Um, no. The one thing that I can see them possibly doing is putting him in the that Ring of Honor, based uh, on he... maybe maybe that would even be possibly a reach. However, with the um, what he's done for the community. And kind of how he was when he played for Montreal. And you got to think, we look at, we look we we look at Subban, and most people think of him as a Montreal Canadian, right? Well, he sure. played he only played half his career in Montreal. Well, I mean, plus the time he was drafted, I think it was what ten years, yeah, eight years, played, something like yeah, that. Ten years from the for well, yeah, he was drafted in 07, and he left the Canadians. In the fifteen after the fifteen sixteen season, right? But if we look at when he made his debut, and it was only his real debut, uh, was during the ten uh, eleven season. We well, only put up a few years with Montreal, and then he played with Nashville, then he played with New Jersey, right? Well, i th I think you can make an argument for the Ring of Honor. I I wouldn't put him there myself. But I wouldn't be against him going up there. I mean, guys like Markov should go up there first. Right. But oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, if if the Canadians feel he belongs there, then uh, sure, yeah. why not? Uh, yeah. At the very least, give him a you know a PK Subban day, you know, like honor him sometime through the season. You know, I'll let him wave to the crowd. Right. Uh, let the let the fans of Montreal 
uh, pay their respects to a man that electrified them for years. Absolutely. So on that note, congratulations, PK, on your retirement and whatever else you're going to do, I'm sure you'll be just as as successful. And uh, the next note, Galchenyuk signed a PTO with the uh, with the Avalanche. If it works out in his favor, good for him. Yeah. Now that Toronto's fixed him, yeah. the Avalanche are getting a star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he does well in camp and he can earn a contract. I think the kid deserves that much. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe boost his confidence a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on from that to the Canadians training camp. Uh, they kicked it off with uh, with their weigh-ins and their, their check-ins, and it started with an announcement right away. Suzuki was out for two weeks with a lower body injury, and Edmondson was out indefinitely with a back injury. Not the things you want to hear. No. And no. Get, you know what sucks for Suzuki? Um, especially since he's like really the most resilient player they have, um, you know, can't catch COVID, et cetera. Um, that kind of, that kind of guy. Um, it, but you really feel for Joel Evanson. Um, back injuries are a thing that completely can yeah. derail you. And it just seems like it was a, a kind of a nothing play that transpired. And now, a re-aggravation of this injury that kept him out for the majority of last season. And I was really looking forward to seeing this guy with an A on his, on his, uh, on his Jersey and just kind of see what he could do as a leader with all the departures on the team. Um, So it's really too bad that this has happened and we're really, really hoping that he's not going to be missing too much time and that it's only going to be, you know, a few weeks or something like that. Right now they're very tight lipped about it. And that's what kind of scares me. Yeah, it's they're being cautious though. They're not uh, they're not giving away too too much information, but at the same time, they're not trying to uh, bait and switch people. Like for years, there was that bait and switch with, oh, he's out for two weeks, but we're going to reassess, and then right. he's out for two more weeks. And at least here, they're saying, okay, we're not sure, so it's indefinite. Uh, we'll give you updates later. And with Suzuki, they mentioned that. If there was an actual game, he would be playing, right. but they're being cautious with him. Right. So and he's already skating. He's uh, he's going to be back with the team next week. So that's good news. Um, no reason to and, rush the guy. No reason to rush the guy back. No, but I'd still like the guy to get um, a few preseason games in, if possible. At least one. At least one. Um, now, on that. With the camp going on, they had the red and white scrimmage. They had the, you know, the scrimmages between team A, team B and all that stuff. Um, I think in watching all of that, I was really impressed with the way that uh, St. Louis started the camp off. He started off, no pucks, doing a, a baseline assessment of where his players were at. He he was checking their speed. He was, they were clocking. They were using analytics to break down the stride and the speed and the angling and the the edge work and all these little things 
that they need to do to play whatever uh, the style that he wants to play, which is an up up tempo style. So that that right there, it's kind of old school, you know, no pucks, bag skate, but uh, it, he checked conditioning, the whole thing. So I like the way he started it off. I saw that um, their new development coach or the director of development or whatever you want to call yeah. it, director of player development, what do you want to don't remember his name off the top of it's Adam. Adam Nicholas. Adam Nicholas. Yeah, right. Um, knew his first name. Um, I saw that he was he was uh the one that was spearheading a lot of these drills. And a lot of the times, yeah. even with coaches on the ice, he was the one that was running everything. And and that shows that they're taking those necessary steps to develop certain parts of players' games and for them to play to their strengths and see where they are. And uh, you know, development starts at training camp. And it starts at building a rapport and building, uh, building trust within your coaches and everything. And I think that so far from what I've seen from this group, they're going into the right direction. I agree. I completely agree. They're, they're playing with a much, much higher tempo. And what else I've, what else they've mentioned is that St. Louis and the coaching staff send the players, the drills are going to do, in their practices that day, the night before. So with all the apps that are out there that you can, you can send 3d videos of, uh, of the drills that you're going to do, having the players look them over the night before, learn them and then apply them on the ice the next day. It, it tests their hockey IQ. It tests their memory. It, te- it tests their attention to detail, all these little things that are going to help them when they're on the ice. Yeah. And it saves a ton of time. The players show up and they just go. Yeah. I like that. So there's I like that. there's no sitting around. Right. Not bad for a PUE coach. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um now from there, uh through the scrimmages, I think there's a couple of guys that kind of stuck out during these scrimmages for me. Uh clearly Owen Beck, but uh guys like uh Anthony Richard, who Yeah are going to play in Laval. Yeah. I thought he he showed that he could be a call up. I mean, he's he's playing very well. He's got good speed, he's got good positioning. Uh tonight's exhibition game against New Jersey, he did very well. Uh he, he was never really out of place. No, he was noticeable for but, the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. And and I think seeing the way he's playing now, Laval's going to be having a pretty good team. And he's going to be up there. I think probably the top line. Yeah. Yeah. One of those uh, kind of all situations kind of players. Yeah. Like uh, Belzil has been for them for a couple of years. Yeah, or like Herbie Bernard, who was his linemate, who was, who was a linemate of his tonight. And I thought that the, yeah. b- between the two of them, they didn't really do much wrong from, no. uh, from, from the start of the game, uh, right to the, right to the final whistle. Yeah, they did very, very well. They played a strong game. Uh, Harvey Bernard was his, uh, Nose to the grindstone self. He was up to his billing. Uh, I think Meshar as well has shown some good things. Uh, Through the scrimmages, he was, he he showed his speed. He showed his creativity and he did it again in the, uh, the exhibition game against New Jersey. He almost had the tying goal at the end of the game with a nice move to cut inside. He did. But but Dawes made a very nice save to, uh, to save the game for them. Yeah. And I, and I liked how he, 
he kind of picked his spots and just kind of planted himself in the center of the slot a couple times. And he, um, he has some good shots off. And um, yeah. I, I think that uh, for a guy that's, you know, playing in his first, call it first NHL game, I think he showed a lot of uh, maturity and a lot of poise for a young player. And wherever he ends up playing, whether if he goes back to Europe or he goes to Kitchener or whatever else, I, I, I think that uh, the Canadians, some people said that they reached to, to get him just based off the fact that he's Slavkovsky's friend. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking he was a, a, a pretty good pick. It's what, 26 he was picked? Yeah. Right. The, the uh, skills that he's flashing at, at, at getting picked at 26, that's that I can yeah. see why. Yeah. He's still a few years out from uh, being yeah. a regular in the NHL, but he's on his ELC. He's got that kind of uh, boost in his back end right now, which I can see happening as well for Beck, who you mentioned, who, who would get another, I know another boost of confidence with that ELC. Um, I think both those players are well on their way. And they're and they're both great picks. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, the thing with Meshar, he can either play wing or center. They've had him playing at center in the camp because they want to get him used to playing that position. And it's much easier to shift from center to the wing. So if you're comfortable at center, it's easy to make the shift. But going from wing to center is harder. And it's not a bad thing as well, especially with Suzuki out. Um, Monahan is out. You're not just going to be like, oh, we're just going to keep throwing Dvorak out there. We're going to keep throwing Doc out there, etc. Yeah. I like how today they could have, they could have, um, like, I like how they put Beck up on the top line. Man, he looked good. Right, I, 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 I'll get into I, him in a little right? bit. But but I like how they put him up there, and they're giving these guys an opportunity. They could have easily just said, you know what, um, we need a top line center. Uh, Dvorak, you're, you played yesterday, you're going tonight. And they easily, or or they even could have thrown Jake Evans in there or some of that. They could have thrown in a, an NHL center to to uh, to play. Instead, they gave this kid an opportunity, and I think that he's he has been really the shining star of the Habs uh, youth throughout rookie camp and throughout and now into the first preseason game of the year. Yeah, there was no expectations on him when he showed up to camp. And no, then the injury to Suzuki happened. And, you know, it, and Pat, uh, Monaghan was out with an injury as well. So that opened up a couple of spots. He, he was given an opportunity based off that, and he seized it. And he's been he's been displaying his amazing speed, his hockey IQ. He's always in the right position. You look on if you do replays, if you go back through Instat or whatever, you will not find him out of position. I've been trying. No, the only the <laughs> He's only always mis- in position. The only gaffe that he made was the offside that led to the goal coming back. Yeah, and that was it, really. And like, but, some people are going to jump down his neck for that, but who the hell who the hell is going to think that you know x amount of seconds later they were going to score a goal? Right. Yeah, I do think in these replays, if the play goes on for thirty seconds. It's not. It's a, it's it should a little be much. Replayed. It's a little much. Yeah. 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 It's not like they scored off the rush that he was offside on. They they cycled it for a good thirty seconds before right. it went in. Right. So, well, it's, it, if that's the only thing that people are going to get upset with him about, 
right you got it wasn't yeah it wasn't like Pazetta was coming in on the rush he jumped across by 20 feet and then all of a sudden you know they scored like it was it was harmless so anybody that's on social media right now saying anything negative about Beck just just fuck off right that's all I'm gonna say I'm gonna be I'm gonna be as direct as possible yeah (laughs) and and he he was playing on a line with Hoffman for God's sakes He's had he has to cover Hoffman defensively. Right, right. So that right there, if you can do that, yeah. you're gonna be an Do you NHL. know why I'm I'm gonna get into Hoffman really quick? I know we're talking about the rookies and stuff, but since you brought him up, Hoffman showed flashes in this game like he normally does. I thought that his foot speed was there, which it normally isn't. He was moving the puck at times very well, and then at the same time, some of his zone entries just got awful. Some of the passes that he made back to the defense got awful. It's it's like it's like a Jekyll and Hyde scenario right now. Of what you're gonna get from day to not even day to day, it's like shift to shift with this guy, and he has been part of so many. This guy's going on waivers. This guy's getting traded for futures. When is Mike Hoffman getting traded, etc.? And right now, with how he's how he was last season and his lack of consistency. I know it's only the preseason and it's only a sample size, but there are other guys that are chomping at the bit to take his job. And yes, he's a guy that can score and he's got the big shot, but you need to be more than that to succeed at the NHL level. And at a four and a half million dollar cap hit, if they can dump him to another team, you got to do so it. it. You got to make now, that deal. His line mate, Caulfield, he's a small guy. He's an offensive guy. But you watch him play. He's coming back on the play. He's he's getting a lot better defensively. Yes. Uh, his board battles. He's able to position himself. He he knows he can't win on physicality, so he he uses positioning. Yes. At least he's doing those things, and he's helping out on the defensive side. So we can see a, a progression for for Caulfield. But with with Hoffman, oh my God, is, is that ever painful? But with Beck there who's covering both of them defensively and keeping up offensively, which is yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Very active. Uh, that stick. Line. Very active stick. Yeah. I thought that was very good of them. Good passing, good shot. Right. I mean, he rang one off yeah. the post there right. on, a, one, on the winning, rush. Win, winning face-offs. Took more face-offs uh, than anybody on the team. 80% on face-offs. Right. He did. He did very well, especially, yeah. especially since a lot of them were against Heischer before Heischer left the game. Exactly. So he, he showed himself well in that game and that line, did extremely well. They got a half the shots for the team all night. Now, granted, the Canadians need to shoot more, but that line, that that was probably the best line uh, offensively. Yeah. Now, Doc and his line, they look pretty good too. And I think Doc looked really good. He he flashed a lot of that skill that, um, you know, they expected to see from him when they traded for him. Um, now, according to Jonathan Taze, uh, Tab Banford, who covers the, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks tweeted out that, uh, Taze said that, uh, Doc didn't get a fair shot in Chicago and, oh, well, too bad for Chicago and good news for the Canadians. Cause I think this kid's going to be a good player. You know what? They wouldn't have taken him as high as what they did in the draft if they didn't see anything big in him the, when they did. Yeah. And, you know, for the guy, to, he was the captain of the World Juniors. 
um, very good, um, very good hockey IQ. He's got size. You can't teach that. And we saw a little bit of it on display tonight. He still needs to, I think, use it a little bit more than what he has. Um, well, he did flatten some poor bastards. That's true. That's true. But I, I, I think it's going to come in time. Yeah. Obviously, given once him, he gets more comfortable. Yes, I suppose, you know, giving him the contract that they gave him, obviously they believe in him, and I'm hoping that that ends up um, turning into a steal of a deal. That would be amazing, because if you have Suzuki, who's already established, and Doc can find that next step to become uh, something of what was expected of him, then you have a one-two punch up the middle. Uh, Dvorak is there to help cover up on defense for a year. Beck's on his way up. Meshar's on his way up. Meshach, the Canadians have a lot of young centermen that are up and coming. Right. So they're looking okay on that, that end. Um, on the blue line, with Edmondson down, maybe missing some games, that opens up another spot, especially on the left-hand side. Yeah. Now, Gooley, holy crap. He, he, he demonstrated fly. his, oh my God, his mobility was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he picked up speed First step, boom, gone, top speed. Yeah. So that it shows that he is physically ready for the NHL. He made some really good plays and a couple of small errors, but you know, still early in the preseason. Right. Um, and I think he, you know, I think he's going to earn himself a spot if he keeps that up. I think he's got the, uh, uh, I think he's got the best. I think of the players yeah. that played tonight, I think he's got the best opportunity. A lot of people are talking about Jack. I just because of the size and because of this and because yeah. of this. And I'd be okay with that. I think Jack is going to be a phenomenal prospect. And going back to doc, I think that uh, Jack is really one of the reasons that they saw that Romanov was a little bit expendable in the physicality department for a young player that they could make this deal yeah, and, 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 and go in and, and jump on a young center and doc. Gooley um, as well. Yeah. But I, but I, I'd say Gooley definitely has the upper hand and in his yeah. mobility, his mobility is going to be something that uh, is going to be a, really a key to his success. In the I, NHL. Yeah, I agree. He's got the size, he's got the physicality. He's got, he's got some, he's got a very good first pass. He, he, he can transition well. Um, and I think he's going to have an inside chance to kind of fill the role for Edmondson in the meantime, especially with Harris playing on the right-hand side. Like the two of them were paired together at five on five and they looked really solid. So that's good news. And uh, Gooley was the fourth on ice time in, in all situations for the defenseman. Uh, or no, no, he was third. He was third in ice time. So just, nope, fourth. It was fourth. Matheson, probably Baron, Baron probably yeah. played more than he did. Yeah. Matheson, Baron, Harris were all over 20 minutes. Matheson was over 25. Baron was over 22. Uh, Gooley was at 17. Okay. Uh, a lot of that had to do with power play time. Yes. And with Matheson, he also had penalty killing time on top of that. Right. I thought Matheson looked fantastic. I gave him, yes. a, I, I said he was my first star of the game. Yeah. For the Canadian, for the yeah, Canadians, I can see that. right? Played almost twenty six minutes. Um, he had an assist. Probably should have had a second assist, but uh, yeah, this this is a guy that a lot of people were like, "Why would you trade Jeff Petrie and a former first round pick for this guy?" 
I know it's a sample size. I'm not going to get too ahead of him so far, but this guy is from he's from the region. He wants to play for this team, and I thought that he showed great mobility tonight. I thought he played a really good two way game. He had a career year last year, and I think kind of the sky's the limit for this guy. And he can be a real leader on this team. He was wearing an A tonight on his jersey, um, and I'm thinking if um, a guy like Joel Edmondson is going to be down for any length of time, um, guys like Matheson and Savard are going to have to step up and play those tough minutes. And they're going to get that many more minutes with that, with uh, a player of Edmondson's magnitude, um, especially on the PK. And uh, we're going to have to see, we're going to have to see these guys uh, step up and eat these minutes in his absence. Well, the good news with tonight's, uh, tonight's preseason game, there was you didn't notice Savard because he he wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> it was really it was really Matheson's defense court tonight. It really was, and it showed because yeah. he played the most out of everybody, and he he was the most noticeable defenseman out there for the right reasons. It was like watching a left-handed Petrie. Yeah, that's basically what he is. Yeah, he he's he's got a better contract. He may not get you know, 40 points, he'll be closer to 30, but whatever they play, they play an almost identical style. Right. And with that style, that, that fits the Canadians future mold. So they got a guy who wants to be there versus a guy who didn't want to be there. Right. Right. So, and I agree. He did look really good in this game. He, he was, when he got caught up ice, he was able to get back into position quickly because of his speed. He uh, he used his size well. He he boxed out properly. There's going to be moments where he makes mistakes. They're all going to do that. I mean, the game they lost two one to to New Jersey in this game, and it's not for a lack of effort. There was just some small errors. I mean, the winning goal was a rebound that accident that kind of bounced off the guy's foot and flipped over a pad and in. So yeah, it was a fluke. To yeah, say the least. To goal. say the least, it was a yeah. Fluke. yeah. Sure, you can you can crap on Primo a little bit for not being up on the post, but he had just finished making a save, so he was slightly out of position because he was readjusting to get himself back up back upright. So I can't really fault him for for the goal, and I thought he played well as well. Yeah, Allen was definitely in midseason form. He looked great. I thought his, his yeah. positioning was well. His puck control was very good. Um, and they're going to need that. Oh, yeah. They're going to need that. I, <laughs> I, I I understand it's first. It's the first night, and you want to see yeah. uh, multiple goalies get their fair share and everything. But uh, I'd like to see, um, for the preparedness for Jake Allen, I'd like to see him get a couple full games. And I, I think he could have done that tonight, but I, I understand why they did that. Um, maybe saw, maybe looking at how he played tonight, maybe I would have made the decision to say, let's keep this guy in there a little bit longer. I know that we plan to have this other fella jump in being primo, but with how he was looking, I, I, I probably, if I was a coach, I probably would have kept him in. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they said right away, they're, they're going to do half and half. It's preseason. So that's what it, is, it is. It is. And I, and um, I, and I think that even if primo does outshine, Montembeau, I think Montembeau is really going to have to struggle. Oh, he's cemented in. Yeah. 
he's going to really have to struggle to 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 lose out on that uh, backup position. Yeah, he's really going to have to get hurt if he's going to yeah. lose that backup yeah, position. Yeah. Honestly, and even and even um, then, I don't know if it would be Primo. No, no, I honestly believe they want to. They truly want to keep him down there. I mean, you look at last season. Literally every goalie under contract got hurt before they called him up. Yeah, yeah. And he was the last one under contract. Yeah. That's yeah. why they had see, to call him yeah. up. I could see a move being made if that happened. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they don't have the pieces to go pick up a, a goal. Uh, you know, another goalie to fill in the blank for a little while. Yeah. Why not fill a need here and there when you have it? Right. Um. And on the power play itself, uh, Mathis, back to Matheson, I thought he looked very strong on the power play. He was very good at quarterback in the play, kind of like Petrie. Uh, and there's someone that got a ton of power play time that you may not remember was on the ice during the power play. And that's, that's Jonathan Dwight, or jo- yeah, Joshua. Joshua Dwight. Yeah. He, um, I mean, he didn't play poorly, but you can tell he's, he's not quite there. He, he needs more time. He does. He does. Um, he'd go back to the queue, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I think that, you know what? I think that's Sherbrooke. the best. Oh, yeah. I think that's the best place for him. Go there, have mm-hmm. another 100 point season. Um, go play again for the World Juniors. I believe he'll still be eligible. Yep. I think. Right. Yeah, he's 19. Um, he can still play. Right. Um, you'll win another gold medal, right? Like, um, yeah. It's it's the best place for him. I thought that he had a couple, you know, gaffes tonight. Nothing, uh, nothing too major. But uh, you're you're a hundred point plus player. There's going to be a lot of people looking at you, wanting offense, wanting the constant goals, wanting the the playmaking and everything like that. And uh, it'll come in time. And I think he's going to be one of those diamond in the rough picks. You know, a guy that's uh, a fifth round yeah. pick. I, I I think he's he's get he's He's a, a another guy that's a few years out. He's probably at least, I'd say, probably at least three years out from making a contribution. Yeah, another year in the queue, then probably a year in the in the AHL. Yeah. Then and then maybe he'll compete for a we'll spot. See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he's he's shown that he has the tools. Yeah. He just needs a little bit of time and conference to put it all together. So I I, I liked his game in that respect. He didn't wow me, but he didn't do anything bad. Like he was, yeah. he was still solid. Right. Um, one player who did get noticed, who I noticed anyway, uh, for some some pretty bad errors, and that was Norlander. Uh, I expected so much more from him in this game, and throughout camp so far, and he's kind of disappointed me a little bit, especially with the competition that they have at the left hand D side and. Yeah. The opening that's there, I thought he'd be pushing a little bit harder, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's not quite used to the North American size rink yet. I'll give him an, I'll give him a little bit more time. Um, he yeah. was playing on the bottom pairing. He wasn't getting the really the time that uh, some of these other guys were having because they made it pretty clear that they were looking more at Barron. They were looking at more more at Harris. They were looking more at Gooley, et cetera. And they had Norlander playing with Fairbrother. Um, so I'll give him a little bit more of an opportunity. Maybe they're going to give him, uh, a chance to play on his natural side on the left. Um, that would be nice. And and maybe, maybe they'll play him with 
you know, maybe they'll give him uh, some time with, with Harris or something like that. And we'll see how that goes. Um, one player for me who was very, it was very uh, hit or miss tonight was Pizzetta. And Literally hit. Yeah, it was very hit or like he, he, but he had four hits. He had two blocks. He had two shots. He only played, you know, 12 and a half minutes playing on a fourth line, but he was out there five on five. He was out there killing penalties. Um, when he was good, it was very noticeable. Like with that, the, the tip on the, uh, on the Matheson goal that was, or the, on the, on hit what was, on the Matheson shot that was called yeah. back. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And those are the things that he needs to do to make the team and, and, and some of the hits and they just that physical aspect of his game, blocking shots, et cetera. Those are the things that are going to set him apart from these other players that are, that are going to earn him some NHL playing time. Um, some of these little moves that he tried to make uh, entering, you know, exiting the zone, that kind of stuff. It was a little bit much. I'm like, yes, you yeah, played in the NHL. Things. Yeah. Yes. You played in the yeah. NHL. Yes. You're a pro. However, there's certain things that aren't in your wheelhouse. And yes, I know it's the preseason, but you're trying to you're trying to win a job right now. Yeah. And 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 I I like Pizzetta. This was a guy that was just the kind of a grinder late round pick. It was like, ah, oh, we'll see what we got in this kid. And even his time in Laval has been working his way up the lineup and yeah. dropping, dropping the gloves and all that kind of stuff. But then he got his opportunity and he, he rolled with it and he put he's up like 50. the new Andrew Shaw. Exactly. Right. And yeah. if he, you know, I don't know if he's going to get to that offensive level as Shaw did, obviously, no. but no. he can be a guy that he can have a solid NHL career as a fourth line energy guy that can kill some penalties but he needs to establish himself first and not try to be yeah. and and not try to do too much because I, I as I think it took away from his overall game. I'm sure that as the uh, the the camp wears on, he'll he'll kind of settle into that that style again. I think he was just trying to do too much because he wanted to, he wanted to do more to get noticed. He wanted to show growth in his game when. Right not necessarily needed. I mean, the stuff that he does, the, the, the tip was just by him crashing the front of the net and yeah. getting to the front, uh, getting the goalie's grill, Absolutely. doing that, playing hard on the boards, finishing his checks. That's what you want from him. And, and he's going to get some points doing that. So if he just keeps that up, I think, I think he'll be a solid, like you said, a solid fourth liner, but this year it's going to be tough to make that lineup because of all the forward contracts. Right. But he's, He's a guy that, because of that style of play, I could see him being that, say, 13th forward. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see that because they're, they would be worried about losing him on waivers. I'm pretty sure if they if he went on waivers, they'd lose him. I think so. Somebody somebody would somebody would pick him up. And yeah. speak, and Detroit, speak, Tampa. Right, and speaking of waivers, um this is a big opportunity for the Canadians. There's going to be some names that are going to jump on the waiver wire this year that are going to surprise some people. Some, some might have terms, some might have this, some might have that, but there actually might be some decent players that are going to, that are going to hit the waiver wire this year. 
Montreal needs to be very careful, very careful with who they use that claim on. Yeah, they were already ta- they've already been talking about possibly using the waiver wire and they've been very clear that they're only going to use it if there's a guy that fits. So I'm guessing it's going to be a, a thing on the advanced stats, the style of play, what St. Louis believes, how much money the guy's making, how you know, right. how much term is left, all of that'll factor yeah. in. Right. But I they just have hope, until November just, one. Exactly. I hope they just don't jump the gun on it. And they say, you know, the first young player that goes on, that's like, oh, we could use that guy. And then yeah. a couple days later, was waiver wire is going to be huge throughout training camp, as we know, and throughout the pre uh, the preseason games. You can't jump the gun on this. Like this is a this is a big opportunity. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll take advantage of it. And, uh, and, and I know I'm somebody. I know I'm trying to speak. Uh, I know I'm trying to hype up waivers right now, um, but it's 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 true. Like you 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 have the first opportunity to. Get something for nothing. To get something for nothing, yeah. You may as well you may as well make the most of it. Well, look at Paul Byron. Paul Byron was a waiver wire pickup and Pitlick. Both have turned out pretty well so far. Um so yeah, no, it would make sense if they do if there is something there. If there's a right hand D making two million a year who's got a term and can play a third a third pairing role, I'm in. There you go. Um, all right. So from that, we're going to finish things off with a little bit of news that came out tonight, uh, during the game. And that is John Liu is leaving the Montreal Canadians and going to the Winnipeg jets. He's going to be going back to his hometown of Winnipeg. He's going to be covering the jets. He's going to join Dan Robertson and be part of the jets team, uh, in TSN's coverage which is a major loss for the Canadians and their fans. And and because he, he does so well covering the Alouettes, covering the Canadians and, and, you know, we're going to miss him. Right. I saw this as like when Sarah Orlowski left the left uh, TSN to join the Winnipeg Jets in an actual Mm -hmm. role with the Jets, but she's still going to be doing work with TSN throughout, uh, throughout her time there. Um, and I thought that was just going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, Sarah is one of the best female reporters in the game. She's she's very very good at what she does. Um, but then in the back of my mind, I said, "Who's who's going to replace Sarah Waleski?" And I never in a million years thought that it was going to be John Liu. But then it starts to add up. You know, it's his hometown, and you know what? Sometimes the best place to go is to go home. And I wish John. Yeah nothing but the best. I, his time with the Canadians is something that he can be so proud of. And we are going to miss him dearly. And we hope to have him back on the podcast many, many, many times. Um, the guy has been a fantastic guest um, on air, off air, just such an easy guy to talk to. And um, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to miss him in Montreal. Like it's it, whoever is taking over for him. Uh, huge, huge shoes to fill, and uh, and they you, they better be stylish, and they, yeah, and they better be stylish. <laughs> uh, but yeah, huge shoes to fill. Uh, we saw we saw some tweets from his, some of his colleagues tonight, and um, 
they're going to miss him as well. And I, and I, and I think that uh, he's going to, he's going to do fantastic things in Winnipeg uh, with, uh, with Dan and being part of the Winnipeg Jets uh, coverage. And uh, yeah, I, I just very shocked. And I, I tweeted out that, uh, you know, maybe this was part of a bigger deal that Dubois was finally coming to Montreal and then I said that uh, Winnipeg would probably have to add to the package because uh oh, 100%. Right? So, uh, yeah, again, it's more shock than anything. It's it's still taking some time. Um, but, yeah, uh, thank you for everything you've done, John. You, you did some fantastic work. And uh, I look forward to seeing your, uh, your work on CSM uh, with the Jets. So I guess this means that we're not going to be doing the karaoke night in Montreal uh, oh, we'll through still, the season. We'll still, we'll still make that happen. <laughs> but we can do it at the draft in Nashville. Absolutely. No problem. Right. We're, we'll, we'll adjust to your schedule, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, who's going to be the best dressed uh, broadcaster? I mean, uh, who's going to be able to turn a, a sweatsuit, jogging pants yeah. and a sweatshirt into a stylish bespoke suit? It's really hard to say. I'm going to say another friend of the show, Brian Mudrick. He's going to have to step up his game. Ooh. He's going to have to step up. Yes. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. He's going to have to step up. <laughs> All right. Uh, that pretty much covers everything. We kind of did a, a a brush over of the, uh, the preseason game. I mean, it's still preseason. Uh, I want to apologize to everyone that we didn't get a show out this weekend, but, uh, I got hit by a hurricane, so I couldn't really do much. Exactly. Uh, and we're going to start putting out our shows more regularly. We're going to come back to our two per week uh, rotation that we had going now that the season's starting up. So, right. uh, you know, bear with us. <laughs> we're just starting to get back in the routine, just like everybody else. So um, thanks for your patience. And uh, Matt, do you have any final thoughts? No, just uh, thank you everyone for your support. It's, um from this podcast and uh again it's uh it's good to be back behind the mic and uh it's still preseason for us too so we might have a few gaffes we might uh, drop a couple f-bombs which i tend to do on you occasion definitely will yeah uh which i tend to do on occasion uh sometimes we get to try to find our words etc um but as the season goes on uh so will we um everything's going to come a little bit more clear and uh i look forward to uh another full season, uh, hopefully a positive one for the Canadians and uh, uh, a good one for us uh, behind the microphone. Yeah. I mean, how was it that I'm the sailor and you're the one with the potty mouth? I don't know. It's hard to say. I'd say, ask my mother. (laughs) She's probably like, don't fucking put that on me. Right. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and on my end, again, I want to thank everybody for bearing with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Um, again, if you're looking to help uh, the uh, Hurricane Fiona relief, there's tons of really good charities. Red Cross is a good one. Like like Matt mentioned, uh, the government's going to match any donation. So that could that could really go a long way. Um, to our friends up in uh, Port of Basque, our heart goes out to you guys. We know you got, you got hit super hard. Um, we've sent a ship up there to help you out. Uh, so the, the crew of the market Brook is going to be there soon. Um, and, uh, for the listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for ch- uh, checking in. And remember if you were talking about it, 
so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.